Broadcasting from the heartland of America. In the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. Welcome into it. Hour number two of the Voice of Reason's weekend edition. So great to have you with us here on the program. As usual, multiple radio stations all over the country, plus TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you check us out. We thank you for it. We love you to death, as always. And we have so much more to get to this hour. Kind of an interesting conversation as well in this hour. Cheryl Chumley is on the program. We've had her on our weekday show. Have yet to have her on this uh, national weekend program and excited to do so. She is an activist, an author. She is a speaker. She is a devout Christian as well. And we're going to talk about some theological conversation for just a moment. The young generation that is walking away of religion. Good thing, bad thing, and what does that mean for the future of humanity and for society here in the United States as well? Does it mean the attack on family morals and the family unit? What does that mean for our belief in a higher power? What does that mean on the political sense? So we'll cover all that with Cheryl Chumley coming up in just a little bit at the bottom of the hour. I do appreciate the guests coming on from last hour that we had as well with uh, Daniel Bowles, awesome, great guest, and we'll have him back on as well. I really hope they had the statue. Again, if you've not seen it, highly recommend it. If You can, you can go to freedomalliancellc.com and see the monument. It is like one of the old-school Greek type of statues that has a lot of symbolism in it. It's very beautiful. I And for those that know me, I love symbolism. I love the signs. I love what the significance of what things are supposed to mean. And this would be just like the Statue of Liberty, but on the other side of the country, I want the shameful look. I want it to look like it's angry, almost like waving the uh, the rolling pin like the wife does at the husband. I want to see that with the statue shaking its rolling pin at the state of California in the western portion of the country saying, what the hell are you thinking, man? Because you guys are absolutely nuts. Welcome back into the show. You can find us on our social media at Hoosier Reason and, of course, our website at Hoosier Reason. Dot com. There is a lot to get to because obviously we wrapped up the week on kind of some bombshells. So let's jump into it, shall we? It's your week in review. So uh, biggest, let's get on the campaign trail here for just a moment. And there's a few different factors that I want to consider in this election right now. There is some big news of Joe Manchin. If you remember Joe Manchin, the independent who walked away from his Senate seat, realized that he probably wasn't going to win and has been floating the possibility of a presidential run in the no labels party, the third party wanting to bring both sides together, wanting to sing Kumbaya, wanting to hold hands together, wanting to work across the aisle seems to be the factor here. But that factor is kind of uh, falling on deaf ears when you're actually lying about what you see as middle of the road and compromise across the aisle. But Joe Manchin has been a let's just put it a re- somewhat reasonable, decent Democrat in the Senate. Not the best, still probably disagree with the vast majority of what he uh, tries to work for and what he tries to advocate for, but has been a reasonable Democrat. But the reason he's leaving his seat is because the Democrat Party essentially said, you're out, you're done, you're gone, we don't want you anymore, because he blocked a couple major pieces of legislation that uh, the Democrats were a little upset about. The Biden infrastructure plan, the Biden tax plan, the Green New Deal. He was the one. He was the single Democrat vote that stopped a lot of those just a few years ago, if you remember. And now they wanted him out. So he they, they funded a whole bunch of campaigns against him, and he doesn't have a whole lot of a chance to run. Then we heard earlier this week that he was looking at a potential 
secondary candidate or a, a running mate that was going to run with him in the no labels party. And that candidate was going to be none other than, I'm going to try and say this not laughing, but was going to be Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney was supposed to be that unifying voice to bring the both of them together and find the harmony between the two parties, the Republican and the Democrat, the moderate Republican and the moderate Democrat working together in harmony in order to bring the, uh, the country together and one unifying voice. And I asked the question when I first heard that idea floated out there. I asked the question of what exactly, how exactly that was going to work and what exactly they were planning to do to reach a certain demographic. What demo were they really going for? Uh, because, and again, you have to kind of understand the inner workings of politics here, but if you're going to run for office, you have to appeal to a certain demographic or a certain range of people. I've said this before, if I wasn't on the radio, the only other job I'd really enjoy in politics would be a political consultant, the one helping the candidate to be the one to show, hey, kiss the baby over here, take the picture over here, start talk about this over here, to try and create the image of the candidate to be appealing to the American people. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into that. There's a lot of philosophy that goes into that, the ways to win over certain groups of individuals. And Joe Manchin himself didn't really appeal to a large demographic of people that would want to win him over. The only ones that would would be the moderately uh, center-of-the-road Democrats, the ones that were like him, which in today's time, I would say that there's not very many of those compared to the rest of the uh, Democrat Party that's run by the AOCs and the Bernie Sanders and the Nancy Pelosi's. You either had the socialist uh, crowd or you had the deep state elite crowd, which they kind of sort of have the same agenda, just a different approach of how they actually get there. Then you have the Joe Manchins, the blue dog Democrats, the ones that are relatively conservative. They don't want to bankrupt the nation. They want to cut some spending. They want to do things in a relatively decent manner. But they're still Democrats, so they go down that road just a little bit. So there's kind of three tiers of how fast we want to go down the road of tyranny under the Democrat Party. <laughs> it's kind of where we're at uh, with them. And Joe Manchin appealed to a very small sect of the current state of the Democrat Party. So he didn't have much of a range on what he was going to be appealed for in the first place. Then you throw in Mitt Romney, which Mitt Romney was a complete disaster. If you remember when he ran for president in 2012, he had the lowest Republican voter turnout out there. He was appealing again to nobody because the conservative party looked at him and kind of laughed and said, what this, this, this guy, this is our candidate. What are we talking about here? What are we doing? We realized that he didn't appeal to Republicans and we saw a major landslide victory for a re-election of Barack Obama, which I get it. It's Barack Obama. That's kind of a challenging candidate to run up against when he's got the sex flavor and the sex appeal of the day uh, being Barack Obama. He didn't say anything, but he talked about hope and change. And boy, that really turned out to be a winning candidate, a winning platform for him, both in 2008 and 2012. But Mitt Romney was a failed candidate as well. And now in the state of the Republican Party, Mitt Romney didn't really fit in either, which is why he's now considering even stepping away from his Senate seat because he doesn't play well with the rest of the Republican Party. So you have two outcasts, each from their own quote unquote parties. And I say that with air quotes for our radio listeners that we're going to band together to try to unite those demos together. And it didn't work, which is why as of Friday, Joe Manchin said he's not going to be running for president of the United States, where he says that he can't stand Joe Biden being in office. He doesn't want to be any type of uh, naysayer or be the one, the disruptor, so to speak, and allowing Donald Trump to be president again. So he'd rather step away 
and let the disaster to Joe Biden happen than to be the disruptor, split some votes from the Democrat Party and allow Donald Trump to be able to squeak in. I don't know how much that's really going to affect the election at all because he wasn't very popular in the first place. He was on the Republican side because he stopped some Democrat policies, but that's about as far as his popularity actually went. I've said it before, but I still think that there is one other candidate that is more influential than any of the other third parties that we've seen in a long time. And that, of course, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I have to tell you that I still think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be one to look out for even on the Republican side of the aisle because he's going to tear things away from us more so than he's probably going to turn away uh, Democrats. Now, he's still a Democrat. He's still got some Democrat policies, and he could bring some of them with him. But again, you're looking at the old school uh, Kennedy-style Democrat-isms that are going to the wayside in the Democrat Party. So he'll bring some of those along, but honestly, I still think he's going to be a disruptor more so from the Republican side, especially when he runs ads like this. If this wants to play for me here. It was once a great agency that took care of the poor and underserved communities around the world. But in recent decades, it's been taken over by global elites and foreign powers that don't have America's best interests at heart. This is why we need to stop President Biden from signing the WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty. That treaty lays out a blueprint, giving the WHO unprecedented authority. Those powers go into effect the moment that the WHO declares a pandemic, which it can do at any moment, even if no true pandemic exists. Even if no true pandemic exists. If this is the first time that you're hearing about this, it's time for you to do some research. The United States of America has a constitution for a reason. We can't let it be stripped from us by international bureaucrats and their bosses at the Billionaires Boys Club in Davos. We the people still have the power. If you want a president who will stop the WHO in its tracks and stand with you, please donate whatever you can to my campaign today. All right, so that's an ad running on his social media right now, his Instagram, other places, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., where he's talking about the World Health Organization. And he's talking about this WHO treaty, pandemic treaty, that Biden has apparently signed on to before and about ready to sign on to again as they finalize the the rewording of what this one could mean, which they're planning on laying out during the World Health Assembly coming up on May 27th of this year, which is a treaty that apparently says that if a pandemic hits again like COVID-19, that the World Health Organization has the ultimate say on dictates all of the nations involved on how they actually operate their guidelines for health guidelines in their countries. No longer do the nations get to make their own decisions, or like under Donald Trump during the COVID-19 pandemic, where the states essentially got to make their own decisions on how they handled the COVID-19 pandemic. No, no, we need universal decision-making on what a pandemic response would look like essentially giving up our sovereignty as a nation and allowing Joe Biden to hand that power to the World Health Organization to allow them to make decisions for us. And again, believe what you want to about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's a Democrat. I don't agree with his gun policy. I don't agree with some of his social program policy. I don't agree with some of his economic strategy. I don't agree with a lot of policy that he has. But this kind of stuff, this is the stuff 
that he's openly talking about that Donald Trump talks about a little bit, but no other politicians really mention of the fact that Joe Biden signing a treaty, giving up sovereignty of the United States and allowing the World Health Organization to make decisions for us. And oh, by the way, they also get to take 20 percent of all of our supplies on the medical field whenever they decide to do so for some type of pandemic. They just say, United States, we don't care about your citizens. We're going to take them away and do what we need to with them on our own from the WHO. And he's out there, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., exposing some of this, talking about it, and campaigning on this kind of stuff to the point to where when, if you remember watching the Super Bowl last week, was it last week already? Yeah, two weeks ago, whatever it was. I don't know. I did watch it, but I don't remember much of it. Anyways, when they ran it, if you remember, there was an ad that his team, and not his team, but a super PAC ran it in his behalf that was like the 1960s style campaign ad, and he had to apologize for the ad afterwards on social media because the Kennedy family was livid of the fact that he used it. Why? They said that Robert F., or that John F. Kennedy would not have appreciated him using those ads in reference of using the Kennedy name because they wouldn't approve of his stance on vaccines and how evil that he's uh, stance is apparently on the pharmaceutical industry. He has been ostracized and kicked out of his own family, even trying to stand for what he believes in in this stuff. And that is something that is going to appeal vastly to many Republicans and conservatives, especially those that may not like Donald Trump. And it's good news. The problem is that we have a major third party candidate that could be taking votes away from the Republican side like Donald Trump which is going to make the race a very interesting one. Although right now, Donald Trump is still in the polls up over Joe Biden, even with some of that going on. But this is the stuff we need to be aware of. And God bless RFK Jr. for being one of the sole ones actually talking about this. Are we really allowing our nation to be hijacked by the World Health Organization for another upcoming pandemic? Really? Come on, man. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's your Patriot on the Prairie. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. The Voice of Reason, I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the Hoosier Media Network Studios in Wichita, Kansas. So wonderful to have you with us. So we have the election campaign trail, enough about that. But there is a state of affairs we need to address, a serious one. And I say this all the time. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I want to continue to rail on it because it is probably, if you take anything away from this program today, It's the fact that we are going to have to do it ourselves. We have great organizations like Americans for Prosperity that are helping us campaign, door knocking, getting things ready. Uh, But that is you and I. I mean, we are Americans for Prosperity. You are Americans for Prosperity. Uh, We are the ones that are going to have to be that catalyst in that local community, which is why we need to have all that information. Head to prosperityispossible.com prosperityispossible.com. Type in your email. You can get some updates on information, updates on ways that you can partake, updates on ways that you can actually help out because the American dream is not dead. And I'm here to tell you right now that Americans for Prosperity and other, you know, you and I, you and I being that catalyst, we're the ones that are going to have to make the changes this year and show up for the elections. Because if we don't, no one else is going to. The state of the Republican Party is an absolute shambles, which is why I'm concerned about an RFK Jr., who's maybe have some great ideas, but is a third party, so is not going to get elected. He's a third party. Third parties don't get elected into the presidency. It's never have, they never will, 
they the only thing they're going to do is take away from one side or the other. The question is which side are they going to take away from more to upset the election in some way? But they will not win a presidential race. Maybe down the road at some point, maybe, but not anytime soon. Even with the younger generations that are looking to walk away from the party affiliation altogether, which leads into our next conversation in the next segment, but they're looking to walk away from affiliations. From a, from a church affiliation, from a political affiliation, from a party structure as a whole, they want to be individualized. And all the power to them, that's great, but I'm starting to see it. I'm a millennial. I see it. And that's causing some issues for the GOP right now, but that's not enough to actually uh, lead to a win or a victory from a third-party candidate like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But the Republican Party is not going to help us in our cause this year. Let's just be completely honest. The RNC, if you have not heard, is going to go through some leadership changes during an election year. Now, how do you think that's going to play out? When the whole year supposed to be, last year at least, was supposed to be about fundraising, getting the money, setting up the candidates, getting prepared for the election season. So that way this year, we're in crank mode. We're not in inner bickering mode. We're in crank out mode. And right now, we're not in crank out mode. We're in like, let's figure out how to beat each other up mode. Because after the South Carolina primary that's coming up in about two weeks... There will be an announcement from the RNC of the chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, that is planning to step down. And she says she's stepping down because there's been some friction between her and Donald Trump. And the fact that he is the presumptive nominee right now with all the momentum that he has, she is uh, offered willingly to step down as the RNC chair. So that way they have someone better that can better push and rally behind Donald Trump going into the election of 2024. It sounds great, but every time you have leadership changes in the middle of something big, usually shows that we don't have the best structure set in place. The question is, who's that going to be? Who's the replacement going to be? I mean, it doesn't really matter because things are already in motion and we have to get out the vote instead of them paying to remind us to get out the vote. We just have to do it ourselves. There is a rumor floating that Donald Trump has endorsed his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, wife of Eric Trump, to be the new RNC chair, where she says that she would be the tough cookie in that seat to make sure that all the donations go to where they need to be, that she would be able to properly fundraise the organization, and that she would be able to put all the support behind Donald Trump to make sure that it gets done in the appropriate manner. And while I respect that tough talk, And the Trumps obviously are smart business individuals to know how to handle something like that. I have to admit I am a little bit concerned of a family dynasty that I don't want to see. The Republican Party is supposed to be about a conservative movement, not just an entire family running the entire thing. So let's slow that and hit the brakes just a little bit. And let's consider a few things before we just jump on board with Laura Trump jumping in as the RNC chair. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Indeed, it is on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program, man, it flies right on by. We have so much more to talk about and so little time to do it. But have no fear, the Voice of Reason is here. As we are every single weekend on multiple radio stations all over the place. So wonderful to have you with us. HoosierReason.com is the website. I made a comment about it in the last segment that the young generation. I'm a millennial. I'm 35. And I've seen it with my generation, and I get it. I've I've 
partake in. I understand the concept and believe in it to a degree as well. Uh, but the young generations behind me as well, Gen Z and all the others, are more and more embracing this idea that any type of structure or organized group is something that they're not really interested in. Uh, we see the political parties, a vast majority of them affiliating is unaffiliated or is independent. I don't want to be part of the two-party system. I don't like the two-party system. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. Now, they may be conservative or they may be progressive liberal, but they don't want to associate with the actual party. They want to be the wicked, wild, free thinkers and self-independent thought. It's bleeding into not just politics, but into just culture and society in general as well. There was a study done, and it was reported on NPR just a while ago, that shows the young generation especially, the largest group that's identifying in the religious sense are the quote-unquote nuns or not affiliated. According to the report from NPR, that was uh, reporting on a study that was done from the Pew Research Center, that Americans now, the most amount of Americans ever before, when checking their box for a, a religious affiliation, showed that 28% of them said none, that they don't affiliate with any type of religious affiliation. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not religious or spiritual in some aspect, but they don't associate with an actual structured, organized religion, which I find kind of interesting. That's right up there, by the way, in the report with the two largest demographics, which is the Catholics sitting at 23% and evangelical Protestants at 24%. We now have 28% identifying as none. Now, the study was done with near 3,000 U.S. adults nationwide. And uh, with the nuns making up roughly 16%, they say, uh, of Americans back in 2007. So going from 16% to 28% is a relatively large jump over the past few years since 2007, which I find kind of interesting to talk about some of this and more. What does it mean for America? What does it mean for the young generation? What does it mean for the structured institutions in the country? Moving forward as well with our next guests. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. Which I'm happy to have back on the program, I think the first time on the national show for the weekend. We've had her on the weekday program before, but she is a writer. She's an author. She's a speaker. You can find her on her website, but really happy to have on here Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed the last time we chatted, and it's been a while since we've done it, so Happy New Year to mm -hmm. you. But uh, this new study I find intriguing that the vast majority, and again, the younger generations, my generation below, uh, more and more are identifying as nothing. They don't want to be affiliated with an organized religion. They don't want to be or, uh, affiliated with an organized political party. They just kind of beat to the, you know, beat of their own drum kind of thing, and uh what does that mean for them? What does that mean for society? And what does that mean, especially for maybe the religious communities? Well, for society, American society, it's a disaster, right? Because in America, we take our rights from God. We take our liberties from God. We have the concept of God-given individual liberties. And so that's not just a blessing, but it's a responsibility. And the responsibility side of that is that people have to first believe in God. And then second, they have to uh, bring forth biblical values into society. So if you have a generation being raised to not know what the Bible is about and not know what God is about, how can we maintain and preserve God-given liberties and rights for the future? We can't. And so that's yeah. the biggest problem. 
Yeah, it's a major problem when we see, obviously, you're right. I mean, we look right now and we see shootings in the streets. We see the government uh, trying to do gun control. And whenever there is a mass shooting, they say government do something. Whenever the inflation's too high, they say government do something. Whenever they say gas prices are too high, government do something. We always seem to turn towards the government. And we've seen it and read the stories before over and over that the larger the government grows, the belief in a higher power begins to dwindle because we no longer look to the higher power for the answer. We look towards the solution for our government officials. And Cheryl, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I necessarily trust a whole lot of elected officials to solve the major issues of the day. Do you? No, I don't. And what you're describing really is the descent into communism, right? Because it's not by coincidence that most of your communist countries and, and communist governments uh, are, are atheist in tone, or at the very least, they have some sort of religion that isn't really a religion at all. And the, the purposeful design of that is because these politicians understand that God gets in the way of government being the be-all and end-all, right? The the source, the provider, the one that distributes and redistributes to those in need. And so they need to get rid of God. They need to eradicate God and make the the idea of an individual's life is all about serving the state, serving the collective, not with uh, individualism at the forefront. Yeah. How did all this get started, do you think, Cheryl? Uh, and I know it's always been an ongoing battle, but when did this really start taking hold in the nation with the attack on the family values, the family unit, the, uh, you know, hey, just go do your own thing. You don't need to be part of this group that helps you advance a certain idea or agenda or movement, but just go about your own deal and just don't trust or listen to anybody. When when did this really get started? So I've asked that question and I've researched that very uh, matter. And it, it really, it seems to have sped up in the 60s, right? The 60s and the 70s, where it was all about the feel good and the rejection of authority and bucking the system and so forth. And, you know, you add to that drugs, you add to that, um, you know, the birth control pill, which allowed women to engage in recreational sex without any sort of, you know, accountability on earth. And then add to even that abortion, right? And, and and it was sort of this this groundswell of secularism that brought us to the point in this country where we have pushed God to the side because we think, oh, well, we don't need them. We have houses and cars and 401ks. And so that as the culture degrades, though, as the moral uh, compass of society shifts away from God and towards self, that's where the real devastations to a country comes. And that's what we're facing in America right now. Yeah, it is a big one. Now, the big question is, and I think this is the challenging one where we have to find this happy line, is where is the line drawn between walking away and distrusting government institutions like we've seen, you know, during COVID with Dr. Fauci or with the CIA, FBI that finds out that they're more wanting to be militarized against their own people, silencing, censoring, controlling content from the federal government, and we don't trust them. Um, And where's that line drawn between not trusting them and walking away from that because we don't trust that system? and just becoming completely independent that's causing anarchy in the streets as well. Where's that fine line between there, do you think? Well, I think that's where biblical discernment comes into play, right? If if you are an individual and you read the Bible and you're grounded in the Bible and biblical truths and you understand the history of this nation, the quest first and foremost for religious freedom, and you're able to apply the Bible to modern life, 
then it naturally uh, it naturally flows f- from there, the proper boundaries of government, right? And we've gotten to the point in this country where it's flipped. It used to be of, by, and for the people, and government was there to serve in a humble capacity to uphold the Constitution, meaning law and order, to the point where people are afraid of government and bow down to government. And so that's actually a flip of how this society is supposed to be. So I would say we start there by being discerning as individuals and then also putting politicians back in the role of proper humble servant. It's a great point. We're talking with Cheryl Trumley. You can find her online at CherylTrumley.com. You can see all of her great writings on this uh, content and so much more. There's been a push from the other side, from the secular, liberal, progressive side of the aisle that's pushing for the centralized government idea that after the nomination of Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C., who says that, you know, he's very religious, that he's very Christian, that, uh, you know, that's his founding and that's his grounding there to be able to make his decisions, that along with others, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others that say that they're proud of their faith, that they say there's now this push for radical evangelical nationalists in this nation where, you know, they're the, the militant radical evangelicals trying to overtake society and trying to use big government to impose their will on humanity. Is that really a threat right now? Because I, I don't know that I'm necessarily seeing that. No, it's not a threat. And, you know, really, who cares what they say? Who who cares? Because it, it, the founding of this nation is pretty clear. And anybody who you don't even have to dig deep. Anybody who wants to dig a little can discover that the founding fathers were not the radical, rabid atheists that we have today. They were actually pretty enlightened, and most of them had a belief in God and a higher power. It was just to what degree they believed in Christ and so forth. So the the atheism that these atheists of today try and paint this nation as built upon is an outright lie. So why should we, who know better, listen to them? What difference does it make if we're name-called or they rail and wail against a system that includes faith in politics? That's how our nation was founded, and we shouldn't be upset or uncomfortable about pushing back on something that's a lie in the first place. Well, that is very true, and we get kind of tired. We just get used to being called names. We're already called the MAGA extremists. We've been called domestic terrorists. You as a mother, you know, that goes shows up to an actual school board meeting, you've been called a domestic terrorist out there as well. I mean, we've been called racists. We've been called xenophobes and homophobes and every other name in the book where I think they've kind of watered down these terms because they use them so frequently I don't know that they had the same impact as what they used to. Then, of course, Donald Trump's a Nazi and a racist and a fascist and so on and so forth there as well. So I find it kind of ironic that this is just another one they want to label because someone may have faith and not trust the government with all of their decisions. We've got to take a break here, Cheryl. Hang on the line. It's Cheryl Trumley, CherylTrumley.com. You can see all of her great writings, her books. Uh, You can see where she speaks. And if you'd like her to come to your area there as well. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, not just spirituality and, and the Christian faith, but where does that fall in with other religious belief as well and how to coincide that when we look at the structure of this nation uh, too. So a fascinating conversation with the push for atheism, which is there, but is it the biggest threat that we have? We'll do some of that when we come back right around the corner. It's the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. America's safe space for common sense. 
This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Indeed it is. Last segment. Oh, how the time flies right on by all the time. You can always check out our podcast on any of your favorite podcasting websites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. This show will be up on there along with all of our weekday programs that we have all week long. Six days of a week of radio, man. Eventually, you're going to get tired of hearing this voice. But nonetheless, we appreciate it. You can sign up, subscribe, have the podcast automatically downloaded to your liking with some great conversations that we do all the time. Right now, we're hanging out with Cheryl Chumley. CherylChumley.com is the website. She is a writer, author, speaker. You can see all our great content on her site. We're talking about the religious impact with more and more of the younger generations being unaffiliated with political parties, unaffiliated with even religious institutions by 28% of them, according to the Pew Research Center, saying that they identify as none. Right up there with the number of Catholics and evangelical Christians in the nation, uh, about the same percentage-wise, which is up dramatically from just a few years ago in 2007. Now, what are they going to? As we mentioned, there is a communist movement to take uh, the higher power, God, whatever. I mean, you can believe whatever you want to. I don't really care. From my Christian background and faith, You know, we say God, but you can, whatever, I don't really care. But there is a push from the atheist side of things to get rid of God completely. Look towards the government, centralized power in the government, because the government's the answer. Those elected officials, they know what's up. They can take care of you. There was a study, however, there was was a story that I saw, I want to say a few months ago, from Ben Shapiro and with his Daily Wire. And I, I read it, and according to him, he said those that are turning away from organized institutions, organized religion, a lot of them aren't even going towards atheists, but are going back towards maybe pagan practices, which again, we're in the land of the free, baby. Believe whatever you want to, all the power to you. And if that resonates with you, I'm not here to tell you otherwise. But if you do a different type of religious practice, what does that mean for society as well? Uh, As again, we were built on family values, the family structure, we're built on uh, certain values in our Constitution. And while not all of the founding fathers were Christian, a lot of them were. And while we understood the quote-unquote separation of church and state, meaning the government can't impose a statewide-run organized religion that's run through the state, you had the power to believe whatever you want to. But are some of the same values being instilled? Cheryl, uh, do you see that? Do you see not only just a movement of an increase in atheism, but going towards other religious beliefs in the nation as well? And what does that mean? Well, uh, yes, uh, I do. And uh, there was a recent study that was conducted by George Barna at his university that found that those between the ages of 8 and 12 years old uh, are are taking uh, their morality from themselves, and they think that moral truths don't even matter, that they're not absolute anymore. So certainly if you're looking at yourself as uh, the arbiter of what's right versus wrong and good versus evil, that's a form of pagan. Right, it's you're not worshiping a god. You're not worshiping God. You're you're worshiping yourself. And so, if you add that in with the uh, you know the environmental movement, where you have all these Mother Gaia loving worshippers out there and looking at trees as if they have the same rights as a human uh, being, then yes, we're, we're a nation that's not only turning away from God, but turning more and more down the path of paganism and toward pagan worship. It's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of the teachings out there of maybe some of the other spirituality teachings of understanding that maybe a tree or an animal has a life or has some type of value, 
is probably a good thing that we can learn. But then, of course, they take it and abuse it and run with it so badly like that to where, like you said, that now it has the same type of rights or it has the same type of uh, equivalency in, in some aspect. And they always take it and they take it too far when there could be a lesson to be learned for us to better just respect our surroundings and our environment around us to, oh, now they have more important values than what we do. Like, it always seems to be abused to the point where it's, it gets taken down a completely wrong path, doesn't it? It does. And it's not just a lunatic path, right? It has a damage to society because what it really does, if you, if you take it out to its logical extension, is it devalues humanity, humanity. It devalues the human soul, right? And so when you start getting into that realm, once again, you're moving down a path of atheism toward communism. Yeah. At the end of the day, it seems like that's the road that it's going down. It is very interesting. We're seeing the communism ride uh, from many different angles, even when it comes to the spiritual and religious beliefs in the nation. It is Cheryl Chumley, CherylChumley.com. Go and check out the website. All her great content there. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on the show. Definitely got to get you, you back on the program again real soon. I, yeah, I love the love the conversation. We will do that again. One of my favorite conversations and topics to talk about. So we'll do that soon again. Until then, podcast up in just a little bit. You can go and check it out. Enjoy the weekend. Apparently warmer weather around. Thanks, global warming. As we're going to see some warm weather in February. Be that catalyst for change. That's why it's time for you. Speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the voice reason I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.